Hey, thank you guys so much for joining us today. Go ahead and grab a seat. If you are new, my name is Byron, and I get the great privilege to be able to serve here as the lead pastor and church planter. If you are a guest, you chose a perfect Sunday to come and be a part of Redemption because you're going to not only learn why we do what we do, but you're going to see how much this church loves the gospel and loves meeting new friends and helping more people experience life change. Before, before we do go on, I do want to say we do have a special guest in the house today, uh, a friend of mine someone that I've met in New Orleans uh, at a church planters conference. We got a, a church planter in the house. We got Robert and Frankie Preston. They're from New Orleans. And so we want to say thank you so much. We honor you and the work that you do in the French Quarter down in New Orleans. And so if you ever make it over to New Orleans after a night of Mardi Gras, you need to go to church and repent. That's his church right there. And so we're so excited to, to be here today. Man, it is an exciting season for us at Redemption Church. God is moving in some incredible ways, and I'm excited to continue our study that we're doing through 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, a lesson that we are learning as a church that is called Multiply. And I have to say that for me and Ashley, we are just blown away by the encouragement, by the enthusiasm, by the excitement that we're seeing in our church around this new initiative that we are kicking off. And it's just, it's just the momentum of the church is just growing and flourishing. The momentum is just out of this world. I, I never imagined that we would be able to see the things that we are seeing here. Who came to our advanced commitment night on Friday night? Who came to commitment night? Let's give it up. Let's, let's, let's worship God for what he's done as we came to our advanced commitment. We are just seeing testimonies and stories as we come not only to worship God through our giving, but also in our commitments to the future of the church. We've got some stories we're going to share. Go ahead and just throw that up right there for us. So what has the Lord been showing you through Multiply with generosity? Um, just that I need to be more generous with our giving and um, he's really working on me and my husband's um, hearts to give all that we can. What does Multiply mean to you? Um, it means giving to my children's 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 children, leaving legacy. Come on somebody, that's good. Let's go. What has the Lord been showing you and telling you during the Multiply that we've been seeing on Sunday mornings? Um, a lot. The easiest thing and the first thing that comes to mind is enjoy the journey. I know it's going to be an amazing journey. Um, I'm excited for what he's going to do in my life through Multiply and what he's going to do in everybody's life. What has the Lord been doing in you and your wife's life because of Multiply and just the stirring of generosity and finances in y'all's lives? We have upped our tithe and uh, I'm pretty sure I just got a promotion today. <laughs> so about to up it again. So yeah, that's so awesome. Congratulations. So what has the Lord been showing you in this Multiply series here at Redemption? I definitely need to stretch myself in order to grow. I want to go to the next level, and I decided to make sacrifices in my tithing. What has the Lord shown you already in Multiply with being generous? Oh, wow. Um, he humbled me a lot. I... Um, 
I felt the need to give up some of our weekly budget, like for our groceries and stuff. So it's something I complain a lot about because I want more of. So I was very humbled in giving some of it away. With Multiply being our big thing right now, what is the Lord putting on your heart as a couple to do that's going to stretch you as a couple together? Honestly, actually putting a budget into motion because we didn't have one at all. So us working through that is going to be like a big thing and then we're finally going to do a joint bank account this weekend, tomorrow, because we have not done that, so that's a huge step for us. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> what has the Lord been doing through Multiply, stirring in your heart during this season um, with you and your husband? Kurt's on a year sober. Come on, that's Life so good. Good. Um, he got saved. I gave everything to God and everything changed. What has generosity turned into for you and your wife? I actually start tithing. Okay, come on somebody, we're here for it. What has the Lord been doing in your household during Multiply? Because we know he's been stirring generosity and yes, finances. Yes. So tell us what the Lord's been doing. Well, the Lord has blessed me. I can't even explain it all right now. But I had a decrease in my finances of $300. I got a $200 raise on my Social Security, wow. so that just leaves me short of $100, yeah. which is nothing really, because I know that through Multiply, I'm just being blessed more and more. What has the Lord been testing in your finances because of Multiply this season? Um, just probably just the way that I spend my money. I can sometimes be a little bit of a spender, and so right now I've been kind of pressed to give a little bit more than I normally would, so that's going to take some cutting back in other areas. Let's go! And I want you to notice something, is that out of all those stories, it's not about the money, it's about the mission. It's about people capturing a, a heart for what God is doing, not only in this church, but what God is doing all around the world. It is about what God is doing in their lives, in their families, in their homes. I mean, we, we have people that are like, why do you give? It's like, because my husband is one year sober today. Like, isn't that amazing? Like what God is doing, like why are you giving? Because God is bringing us together as a married couple in a way we've never experienced or encountered before. And I just get overwhelmed overwhelmed when I, I hear the stories because it's about people's love for their church. It's about their love for their community. It's about their love for the next generation and the future. It's about their love for the gospel. And it's about them wanting to participate for others about what God has done in their life. It's about people going all in on what God has done. So what is the goal for us behind Multiply? Well, we have actually, we have three primary objectives over the next two years that we're gonna be working towards. The, the first objective is for our church that we're gonna to continue to invest in the ministries that you know and love at Redemption Church. So next gen, youth and kids ministries, small groups, serve teams, preaching through books of the Bible, baptizing new believers. We're gonna focus on all of those things with a greater level of intensity over the next two years. But on top of that, we are going to reach our community. Research has shown that the best way and the most effective evangelism there is, is a Sunday morning service at church. Now, I know some people would kind of argue, they're like, well, we can lead people to Jesus everywhere we go. And that is 100% true. And you should do that. And we want you to do that. That's why our fourth core value is evangelism. But by and large, 
The, the way in which the majority of people come to faith in Christ is by attending a Bible-believing, spirit-filled church on a Sunday morning. And so if you notice by looking around the room, we are getting a little cramped in here, right? Okay, the only person who loves a full room is the pastor. Everybody else is like, you're in my personal space. Okay, I love it because the room's full. I'm like, yes, but y'all don't like it so much because people's elbows keep touching yours. And so we've added a, a third service, but how many services can we keep adding before we eventually have to do something? But God in his goodness, he has provided for us and we have actually purchased this entire city block and we'll begin working in a few months on renovating our 600 seat new auditorium to be able to welcome all friends and family members and to have people in Southeast Texas come and hear the good news of the life-changing message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But that's not all. No, there's more, much more. How much more? Well, we have been given for free a new building in Port Natchez with the plans of launching a second campus within the next two years. So Redemption Mid-County, get ready. It's coming soon. And so we're here for our community. That also includes our outreach initiatives, which is our third project. We have a church, we as a church have committed $160,000 towards missions over the next two years. That's our local and global initiative partners. That's, that's us giving to missionaries, giving to church planting movements and organizations, supporting crisis pregnancy centers here in Southeast Texas and other ministries that are happening around the world. Because the first check that Redemption Church ever cut seven years ago, before we ever had a church, me and Ashley, in faith, we cut a check to a missionary working with human traffic victims out of Houston, because that's how much we believe in a church that gives back to the community. That's our initiatives that we're gonna be working on. And some people might be asking now, you say, okay, Byron, if this is the vision, this is the future, how much is this gonna cost? Well, let me start off by saying this, is that anything worth doing is gonna cost you something. Like, like nothing worth having is for free. Everything costs something. And you say, well, 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 what about salvation? I know there's some like religious people in the room right now, like you're feeling a little iffy about there. Like, well, what about salvation? Salvation's free. No, salvation is not free. It costs Jesus' life. It costs the shed blood of Jesus, the, the, most, uh, the most special and the most priceless thing in all of the universe, one drop of Jesus' blood. It cost him everything. Salvation is not free. Salvation is a gift, and it is a gift that cost Jesus his life. For God so loved the world that he gave. No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down freely. It cost him everything, and that's why he gives it to us. And if God's grace flows to us, then by his grace, it also flows flows through us. Grace is a gift. It costs Jesus his life. It's going to cost you something as well. What is it going to cost us together as a church? It's going to cost us our hearts. It's about us learning to put God first in everything that we do. Not singing, I surrender all, but we're sometimes singing, I surrender some. Not anymore, no. We say all to Jesus, to him I owe. All to Jesus, I give it all. It's about surrendering our hearts. It's about learning to be like one of the Macedonians that we've been studying in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5, where it says this, that they gave themselves first to the Lord. And then by the grace of God, they gave themselves to us. It's about learning to give first to the Lord in every area, including our finances. What is it gonna cost us? It's gonna cost us our hearts. We say, well, what's the price tag on it then, Byron? Well, here's the price tag. It's three million in generosity over the next two years. 
$3 million in generosity towards our church, towards our community, and towards the work of the gospel all around the world. You say, $3 million. Is that possible? Well, I believe with God, all things are possible. And if it was just you, my man, or you trying to give $3 million, we could not do it. But the good news is, it ain't you, and it ain't you. It's all of us going all in together. By the grace of God, we are going to experience the favor of the Lord upon us as a church. Because when we all play our part, we're going to see the providence of God in Southeast Texas. That's what we believe. Here's the way that I would say it like this. If we are faithful, then God will make sure that we are successful. Like God is not out there just looking for success. You know what God is looking for? He's looking for good and faithful servants. If we are faithful, then God will make sure that we are successful. Like if we do our part, God will do his. When we do what only we can do, then God shows up and does what only he can do. When we learn to put God first, we'll experience the favor of the Lord on my life. Where there is vision, there is provision. And where God guides, God, he will provide. When we do the natural, God, He will do the supernatural in our church. And if we are faithful, then God will make sure that we are successful. Listen, this initiative, this initiative that we have an opportunity, ultimately it is God's responsibility. Listen, it ain't redemption's reputation that's on the line, it's God's. God is the one who has called us into this moment, into this season. And so if God will guide us to it, God will provide us through it. And so our job is to just keep our hearts right. That's what we gotta do as a church. We just gotta remain faithful. And if we are faithful, then God will make sure that we are successful. So here's what I wanna do today. If you have your Bibles, open up to 2 Corinthians chapter nine. We're gonna be in verses one through seven. And the sermon title today is, what does generosity look like? It's a question that I've been getting asked a lot over this series. Well, what what does generosity actually look like for me? It's a question that me and Ashley have been wrestling with over the past couple of months. Like, what what is our part to play? Like, what does generosity actually look like for us? And that's the same question that the Apostle Paul is going to be addressing as he's speaking to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapters 9, 1 through 7. He's going to tell them what generosity actually looks like. Now, let me set up this text for just a moment. We're going to meet two churches. He's been kind of going back and forth between the Macedonians and the Corinthians. Who are the Macedonians? Well, the Macedonians are from the region of Philippi, Thessaloniki, and Berea. And then Corinth is another region in Greece, and Corinth is actually very wealthy. They're a port city. They would have upwards, I believe, of 500,000 to a million people. And in the ancient world, that is a lot. It's the largest city in ancient Greece. And they were very wealthy, and they had a lot of leisure and luxury. And now the Macedonians, where Paul also planted churches at, they were very poor, they were very rural. So think about the the Corinthians, they were kind of like New York or or Los Angeles. And then, you know, the the Macedonians, they were kind of like Beaumont, right? They were more rural, maybe a little bit suburban. They didn't have all the bouginess, but they did have an Applebee's and a a Cheddar's, right? They had a Chili's and a Cheddar's, right? Applebee's clothes. But they had a Chili's and a Cheddar's. That is... That is the, the Macedonians. And, and he's writing to them. And, and what, he's, what he's saying here in, in this text is that through his generosity initiative, Paul's been going around increasing the level of generosity in his churches. And he uses the Macedonians to teach the Corinthians what real true generosity actually looks like. 
Look what he says here. He says, the first thing is this, is that generosity is less about your finances and more about your faith. Watch what he says. He says, now it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry of the saints. For I know in the readiness, which I boast to you, to the people of where? Of Macedonia. So Paul's been bragging on the Corinthians. He's going around to the Macedonians and said, hey, these Corinthians, man, they got a lot of money, right? They're gonna do some really good stuff. You can just wait, just wait. Look how excited they're gonna be, right? What is Paul doing? Paul is actually trying to show them that it's not about the finances, but rather it's about the, the faith saying that the Acacia had been ready since last year and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I'm sending the brothers ahead that your boasting may not be proven empty in this matter so that you might be ready as I have said that you would be. I like this word right here. It's called superfluous. Turn to your neighbor and say superfluous. superfluous. Isn't that just a fun word? Turn to your other neighbor and say superfluous. 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 Say it one more time. Ooh, superfluous. <laughs> I don't even know what that word means, all right? It's just fun to say, superfluous. Now, here, here's what it means. It, it means that redundant. It would be unnecessary. Paul's saying, it would be unnecessary for me to go into the big long list of all the things that God is doing in the churches. What is he doing? He's actually giving a backhanded compliment to the Corinthians. He's like, you guys know what God is doing. You guys are aware of what God is doing. It wouldn't be, I don't have to go into the big long list because you should already know. That's what my wife does to me. Like, babe, why are you mad? You should know. <laughs> Too real on a Sunday morning? Y'all pray for me. Um, what Paul is trying to get to them, he's trying to help them understand when you see the need, what do you do? You meet the need. And would be, he, said, he said, it would be superfluous for me because you know the need. I am just asking if you would rise to the occasion and meet the need of the gospel that is right there amongst us in our churches. Now, maybe for Paul, it would be superfluous for him to go into the big long list. But because so many of you are new to redemption, I think it is necessary for me to explain what God has been doing in the last year. Do you know that in the last year, our church has grown by 110% that we grew from 200 to over 500 people. Last week, we had record attendance in Redemption Kids, 115 kids back there in Redemption Kids. Last year, we baptized 106 new believers here at Redemption Church. That is amazing. We've, we've seen, we have more than 50% of our churches in small groups. Over 300 people are now on serve teams. Every single week, we have people walking through these doors for the first time or for the first time in a long time, giving their life to Jesus. First Wednesday last month was the largest first Wednesday in our history. Over 200 people showed up to pray and to intercede and to believe God for a revival to break out here in Southeast Texas. I mean, when you just consider what God is doing, it is amazing. We are seeing addicts deliver and we're seeing people for, for, for marriages be reconciled. I did a wedding just the other week right after church because a couple was so convicted. They're like, pastor, I need to get married right now. That's amazing about what God is doing in this house. I know that for him, it might be superfluous, but I think for you, you need to be able to see the need so that way the God will rise faith in your heart to where you'll be able to step out and you'll be able to meet the need. 
So, so why am I giving behind multiply? Well, I, I'm giving behind multiply because I know the stories that are happening in this room. Like I know what you've been through and I give because I know that God is working in your life. I, I know about the story of you and your wife and your kiddos and how you came back into church. I'm giving because there's more people like you out there in Southeast Texas. Like, like that's the reason why I give. I, I, I give because, because I know what, what your heart is and the legacy you're leaving. And I don't want you to leave that legacy by yourself. And so I'm giving, I'm giving my man because I remember whenever we were leading that leadership at, at Certino's when we couldn't even afford to rent rails because they wanted to charge us $100. And so Certino's just said, if you show up and buy some coffee, you can get the back room. All we had enough money to do was free. I remember when Brandon was leading that seven years ago and to think where we are at today, I am giving for those reasons. I'm giving because I remember set up and tear down every single Sunday morning and I don't wanna go back there again. That's the reason that I'm, I'm giving. I'm giving because we need new chairs in this sanctuary, amen? I'm giving for some new chairs in the glory of God. Right now, our kids are giving back there in kids' church. My, my daughter Esther, she's, she's made a $100 multiply pledge, which means I have made a $100 multiply pledge. <laughs> But I'm giving because I want my daughter to know what generosity means. It's about teaching the next generation. I'm giving because on Wednesday nights, we have about a dozen high school and junior high students here who get to hear the message of Jesus. In the last two years, or since we've launched it rather, in August, we have baptized five high school kids. I'm giving because because 25% of America's population is under the age of 25. Gen Z is the largest demographic and they are entering into adulthood and they need the gospel now more than they ever have before. And now is the time to be able to reach them. That's the reason why I am giving. And what Paul is saying here is he's saying, guys, you gotta grasp the hearts of the Macedonians. That it's not about their finances, but rather it is about their, their faith. See, some people ask me, say, Byron, how much should I give? And I think that's a great question, but I don't think that's the first question that we should ask. The question we ask should not be about how much we give, but the first question we should ask is, why am I giving in the first place? Why do I give in the first place? See, look, Paul, he doesn't tell us how much the Macedonians gave. He never gets into the, he never gets into the how much. He always just goes back to the why. Why did they give? Why were they so eager and excited? Why were they so overwhelmed with the move of God that they, they gave towards the ministry of the saints? And it's not because they were focused on their percentages, but rather it was a matter of their priorities. See, personally for me, I believe and teach what is known as a tithe. 10% first and best belongs to the Lord. And I would recommend that everyone start there or get there as quickly as possible when it comes to tithing. Me and Ashley, that's where our faith has increased too. But some people say, well, I don't, I don't really believe in tithing and that stuff, and that's fine. That's another sermon for a different day. But I'll just tell you this. Me and Ashley, we don't tithe anymore. We give more than a tithe. We go above the tithe. Why? Because for us, it is not about percentage. It's about prioritizing our lives around the gospel of Jesus. It's not about our finances, but rather it is, about our, it is about our faith. And we have learned that if we are going to put God first in our lives, we also must prioritize by putting God first when it comes to our finances. Let me give you an illustration to help you understand this. Can I get my man up here? I want you to understand something, is that faith happens when you put God first. Faith happens when we put God first in our lives. Let me show you this. You know, this week was actually Redemption Church's seventh birthday. Come on, let's give it up for seven years. We got a big party planned in March. 
but it was our seventh birthday. So I thought this Sunday I would get us a nice little birthday cake, right? There we go. Nice little birthday cake. Now this cake represents our finances. It represents our income, our increase. And every single month since we've been studying about budgeting and stewardship, we all know that there are certain things that come in and certain things that go out. And typically for most of us, the the largest piece of the cake most likely goes to our our mortgage company, right? I mean, that gets the biggest piece. I said, you shouldn't have a mortgage over 25% of your annual income. And so that's, that goes to the mortgage company. There we go. Pass that off to the mortgage. Now, what do we have laying here? What's left is this. Now we got to think about our bills. We got credit card bills. We got, we we got utilities. We got expenses. Um, We have our gas bill, our electric bill. We got our phone bill, all these different things. And, And so now we got to, make sure that all of our bills are paid. And so we, we, pass off, uh, we pass this off to all of our bills. And then we got to think, man, you know what? We, uh, here you go, take this, my man. There you go. Uh, <laughs> so, so then it comes down and you're like, you know what? Groceries are so expensive. And man, we got to buy groceries. The kids are eating us out of the pantry. So we got nothing left. I mean, we just got every single week, it seems like. But then, you know, I need to take care of myself. We got some self-care things, you know. I mean, I need to go to the gym. I need to get some good vitamins. I need to eat healthy, right, right? Uh, and then, but then I get so busy working and going to the gym and, and, and running the kids from, you know, every single place. All of a sudden, man, I just don't have time to go home and cook. And so we're going to eat Chick-fil-A five times. You know, I know I don't tie it to church, but I tie it to Chick-fil-A. And that's basically the same thing. <laughs> And then you think, man, you know, I, I, I got to buy me a new car. No, I can't just have one car. I got to get two cars. So now I got two car notes. And then, you know, my, my wife, right, she also, she likes to, she went to Target last week. And, you know, she said she's only getting one thing and she ended up spending $300. I don't know how that happened. So we're going to pass that over to there. And then, you know, I, I, I got, um, I, you know, I got to make sure that I made some bad decisions because I, 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 uh, I didn't listen to my pastor when I was in my 20s and I took out too much credit card debt and some student loans and I didn't pay for my portion back. And so now I'm in, in some more debt over there. And, you know, I, mean, I just really need to have some fun. You know, what about me, right? You know, what about, what about me? So I got to have some fun in my life. We're going to go out to dinner. We're going to go to a movie. We're going to have a nice little date night. Man, maybe, we, uh, maybe we'll go on a vacation. I've earned it. I deserved it. And then you come to church and all of a sudden we start talking about generosity and you're like, what am I going to give to Jesus? What, what, what am I going to give? Okay, well, here you go, Jesus. This is all I can afford to give. This is, this is yours, Jesus. I know it's not much, but it's all that I can, all I can give. Listen, it doesn't take faith to give God your leftovers. It takes faith to give to God first. Right, we don't want to give God our, our leftovers because if you wait to give last, there's never going to be anything left. But if you reprioritize your life, some people say, well, pastor, that means that if I have to put God first, then that means that some things in my life are going to change. Exactly. That's why we call it life change through Jesus, baby. Because there are some things in your life that need to change. It's going to cause you to reconsider and to reorder and to prioritize faith in your life. It doesn't take faith to give God what's left. It takes faith when you learn to put God first. Listen, I live my life like this because I fear God more than I fear the mortgage company. I live God like this. I live my life like this because I love the Lord more than I love Chase Bank. I love it more than I love American Express. Like I love God. I fear God more than 
than I fear the institutions of this world. And I know that when I put God first in my life and I seek first the kingdom of God, the rest is gonna take care of itself. Faith is when you learn how to put God first. Listen, it ain't about your finances. It's about where is your faith? And Paul's showing the, the Corinthians like, you, you have more finances, but you don't have more faith. And these Macedonians, they ain't got a lot, but everything they had, they trusted God with. I want you to see first and foremost, generosity is not about your finances, it's about your faith. Number two, generosity is less about size and it's more about sacrifice. I got another sermon illustration for you today. And I am not climbing this ladder because I almost fell the first time, but I'm just gonna set this here. And this is called our, our, this is our pathway when it comes to our generosity. And you're gonna notice that everybody starts somewhere. Right, just like any other spiritual discipline. You don't, you don't like, I'm gonna start praying. And then you're like, I'm gonna pray for 24 hours a day on my knees. No, you have to start by praying for five minutes. And then you pray for 10 minutes and then it becomes a habit. Same with Bible reading. I meet people, they're like, I'm gonna read through the whole Bible in a month. They're like, have you ever read it before? No. It's like, good luck. <laughs> right, because you have to start somewhere. Well, generosity is a spiritual discipline in the same way that prayer and fasting and Bible reading is. So everybody starts somewhere. Some of you, you're gonna start here at this initial giver. It'll be your first time to ever give. You've never given before. And so you're gonna start as an initial giver. As a church, we celebrate that. Some of you, you've been giving, but you haven't been intentional behind your giving. And so you say, Pastor, I am going to set up reoccurring online and become what is a consistent giver. $50 a week, $100 a week, $25 a week, whatever level you're able to do. So you're going to set up, you're going to become consistent. Some of you, you're going to move into what I would call a percentage giver or a tither. Maybe it's going to start with 5%. You work your way up to 8% to 10%. Some go above and beyond. And by faith, you're stepping it up to a 15%. You're going to trust the Lord there as a percentage giver. And then as your faith builds and increases, you move up to what is called a progressive giver. This is where you're going above and beyond by tithes and also offerings, extended opportunities of giving, supporting church planters and missionaries. This is a progressive giver. And then there's this level right here, a lifetime giver. This is where a person not only focuses on what they give, but the legacy they leave behind. Like one person, they said they set a lifetime giving goal of $200,000 by the time that they retire. And so instead of setting income goals, these people set giving goals. This is, a, this is the process. Now, every single person in this room, we are all on a journey. Everyone starts somewhere. My question is, where on this journey do you find yourself at? And here's what he wants to know. It's not about the size, but it's about the, the sacrifice. Look what he says. Otherwise, if the Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. So I thought necessary to urge the brothers to go ahead of you and arrange and advance the gift that you have promised that it might be ready there as a willing gift and not as an exaction. So Paul's again, comparing the Corinthians to the Macedonians. And what do we read in second Corinthians chapter eight about the Macedonians? Here's what it says. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy in their extreme poverty, that's important, out of their poverty, they overflowed with the wealth of generosity. See, some people, they think that, that when they make more money, they'll be more generous. But that's not true. That is, that's not true because the, the theologian from the 90s, I don't know if you heard about him, Biggie Smalls, more money, more problems, right? Because the more money you make, the more money you spend. An increase of income does not equal an increase of generosity, 
In fact, what we read here is that not only out of their poverty did they give, but they were begging earnestly for the favor, the blessings, the opportunity to be able to give beyond their means to support the relief of the saints. See, people think if I make more money, then I'll be more generous. But statistically, that is not true. Statistically, do you know who the the, the most generous givers per capita in America are? Lower income families. Because they know the value of generosity. Because they trust and believe that everything they have comes from God and he is their source and provider. See, what happens is you start making a little bit more money, you think you're their provider. You don't need God to rely on because now, well, you work hard, you deserved it, you earned it, you made it, and so you get to spend it however you want. It ain't nobody's business what to do to tell you with the money that you've earned. So who, who's, the, who's the most generous givers? It's by and large, lower income families. And even in times of economic recession, their generosity does not go down, but rather they've discovered that the church and, and it actually gives more during times of difficulty and hardship. Say, well, who's the, the least generous people in America? Well, interestingly enough, it's wealthy liberals. Go Google it. Because here's the thing is they trust the government to do what God is supposed to do. Here, Bernie Sanders, 2019, they ran his tax audits and stuff and they found that he made over a million dollars. Google this gave less than $10,000 to charity that year. Just so you know, me and Ashley, we give more than Bernie Sanders. (laughs) Elizabeth Warren, 4% of her income. And they want to lecture and talk to people about caring and finances and poor. You know why? Because they believe that the government should take the place of God. See, it's really easy to be generous when you're talking about somebody else's money. But see, the church is not like any other institution. He says, This is a willing gift, it is not an exaction. You know what, the government will tax you, but the the church doesn't raise taxes and we don't raise tithes. You don't pay for your seat to come through these doors. It's free, it's completely free, right? We don't exact money from anybody. Nobody's getting the shakedown, nobody's buying your seat. You know, we're, we're not forcing you to pay in order to become a member of this church. You don't have to walk through a turnstile to get the cup of coffee. No, it's all free. It's all free. Why? Because the church has, the last 2,000 years, has been unlike any other organization. That nations have risen and fallen. Empires have come and gone. But the church of Jesus Christ remains how? Because of the generosity of the people. Because people just give. Because we give freely, we give willingly, we give cheerfully. We give because we know that God is the greatest giver ever. Like what other organization can continue to thrive and succeed based on the hearts and the goodwill of the people of it? It doesn't exist, but yet it exists in the church. You know why? Because it's, it's about all of us and the love that God has put inside of our hearts overflowing in generosity. And so I don't make that as a political jab, but I do want to use that as a gospel point, that there is nothing in this world that is like the local church. You know why? Because it was God's idea, not man's. Let me show you a story that I think might be able to help you understand why we do what we do. My name is Louis Herrera, and I have been attending Redemption Church for four years now. I I just love the church. I love the, the atmosphere here, the environment, the everything about the church, uh, just them wanting to know who I am and and have interest in me and not only me, but my family and that uh, they want to connect with me and and just do life with me. Not only just see me on Sundays, but just do life with me Monday through Friday through Saturday and, and, and be a part of my life. I'm more at peace 
I'm more at peace right now with who I am, uh, my identity and who I am and, and who I stand for and what I stand for, and that purpose and plan that the Lord has for me in my life, not only leading my family, but just helping others to see and to share the good news of Jesus. We make generosity tithing. Um, it's, it's, it's priority. It's number one, you know, to give back uh, our 10%, if not more. Uh, it's just a priority. That's just what we do. And uh, just to show how good God is, you know, what, he, what he's done for me and my family, actually just done for the world, for us, you know, giving his son, you know, that's how, he, that's how generous he is, that he sent his son down here to pay the price for our sin and give me the opportunity to give us the opportunity to have that relationship with him. I mean, he gave first, so we're giving back our all because he gave his all. I was a little hesitant at first, uh, having that issue with giving my money. Tithing was a, was a big issue with me. Um, and we went through a sermon, I think it was called Be Bold, but a couple years ago, and uh, Pastor Byron said, there was, it was a message, you know. He, God said, test me, test me. Put it to the test and, and you'll, you will see so. Uh, it was something I prayed about and dealt with and I did it. And man, I tell you what, it just, it opened up so many areas of my life. I've seen so much change in my life and uh, friendships and it's just blessings that I couldn't even ever imagine and growth that I could never have ever imagined has happened because of, of giving and being generous. Multiply for me means how, how much God has multiplied in my life, things that I never would have imagined have happened. Uh, the friendships, the the spiritual growth, the spiritual maturity, all the baptisms that I've seen, uh, just God moving through the church. I mean, I remember a time when my first Wednesday prayer night, you know, um, there was maybe 20, 30 people. Uh, first Wednesday prayer night, now it's 10 in room only. I've seen 106 baptisms. That's just absolutely amazing where we were averaging probably 50, 60, 75 people a service now we're having 106 baptisms that's just crazy just absolutely amazing how god's multiplying in this church seeing those 106 people multiply knowing that those 106 people are being discipled by other brothers and sisters in this church that they're not only leading them but they're also maturing these these individuals and there's no other there's no other place I'd rather be than be able to witness those people being baptized, to see that joy, to see that peace, to see that love, to letting it all go, and to see that trust that's building up, that they're accepting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And, and just the love for my family that we received through the last four years, the, the relationships and uh, the people being intentional with us and loving us and praying for us and just being there for us. and. That's how, that's how good God is. That's how he multiplies in ways that, that you could never imagine. It's good. Let's give it up for stories of life change through Jesus. Man, it is incredible. I want you to do me a favor. In your, in your book, or you should have this commitment card. Go ahead and pull this out. I want you to look at it. And next week is our Commitment Sunday. And so this week, a lot of you are going to be praying and, and figuring out what is my part to play 
in this new season here at Redemption Church? It's a, it's a very important question that we have to ask ourselves. And so I want to take just a moment and walk through this card and say, well, Byron, I mean, come on, get back to preaching the Bible. How is, how is the Bible, how is that even relevant to the Bible? Because Paul actually says here in 2 Corinthians 9 that he is arranging a gift. That means it should be planned, that there is a system that is to be stewarded when it comes to that gift. This is what this is. This is our, our system to arrange the gift that should be planned. So that way, when it comes time to give, it is not an exaction, but it is given willingly. So we're still rooted in the Bible. I want to take just a moment and, and show you why, why this card is important. So right here, you'll see that there is a, a name, right? So write your name. Don't write somebody else's name. Don't be making a pledge for somebody else. Uh, and, and we can't take anonymous gifts. You say, well, why can't you take anonymous gifts? Well, one is discipleship first. And so we want to be able to share stories and a part of discipleship is stewardship and holding one another accountable and walking through this journey together. But number two, because we're going to do something that is called valued engineering. You ever heard of that? It's not a theological word, but it is a contracting word. And that means that our goal is 3 million in generosity. And so if we get 2.5 in, we have to budget we have to scale back in order to be able to engineer the new building and the new initiatives that we're working on. If we get 3.5 come in, then we have to value engineer to get more and to be able to steward that wisely. And we cannot count anonymous gifts when it comes to presenting it to our contractors for bids because we can't actually rely on anonymous gifts. And so we need an actual name that goes along with it because it's gonna help us know how we can budget and steward for the new building and the new initiatives. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Because if not, people would just be writing a million on it and be like, yay, we did it. Like uh, Trevor being in the back, just making up names, trying to make sure that we got it right. But that's just not how it works, okay? And, and so then you would take this card in this place right here and you would write what your last year contributions were to the local church. So you write last year, I gave this. And this year, by God's grace, I'm increasing with an expanded offering to this. So we have an example right here. So this is um, Anthony. So Anthony learned to tithe years ago. He's a, a progressive giver. And so last year he gave $9,000, but he's gonna increase to 12% of his income. And he's pledged an additional 1,400, which brings him to 8,400 over the next two years. Multiplied is 16,800. That is his multiply commitment. And then he has some stored assets. So an example would be someone in the church recently they wanted to make a, uh, an additional gift. And so they actually gave their income tax $2,000, which makes his total an $18,800 over the next two years. That's how you would fill out the commitment card. Next week is our commitment Sunday. So here's my prayer is that you would take time and you would pray and ask God, God, where do I fall when it comes to this gift of the local church that you are leading me to in this new season. What is my part to play? And remember, it is not about the size, but it is about the sacrifice. Some can give more, some can give less, but everybody can participate in a way that is meaningful. At which point were the Macedonians? Well, the Macedonians were most likely on the bottom at the beginning level of finances, but they were at the top when it came to their generosity. And where do we see the Corinthians at? They're at the top when it comes to their finances, but they're most likely at the beginning level when it comes to learning their generosity. So on the back, there is a, a, a gift chart. And these are the list of the gifts that we need in order for us to be able to achieve what God has calling us. And if you're like me, the first thing you see is the, the 300,000 at the top. You're like, $300,000, we need one $300,000 gift. That person has yet to make that gift, but I will meet you in the lobby after service, okay? Um, <laughs> but we're praying for that. And so you might think, well, because I can't give that, I can't give it all. Not true. 
because everybody has a part to play. Because if you look down here, there's a beginning level of less than 2,400. Everybody has a part to play in this church because it's not about the size, it is about the sacrifice. It is about each and every one of us, 100% engagement, doing what we can do and believing by faith that God will do what only he can do. And so I wanna share with you some stories that will just illustrate this from our Advanced Commitment Friday night. It was amazing. And here's some just testimonies of what God is doing for those who have already made their commitment. One, one family, um, they've increased their giving by three, three times. Over the last two years, they have given 4,000 to the church, but they made a $12,000 multiply commitment for the next two years. That's amazing. Another family, they have been giving $6,000 annually to the church. And then through Multiply, they have made a $28,000 commitment to what God is doing here. That is a four and a half times increase in their giving. There's another family who's increased their giving 17 times over. Listen to this. In the last two years, they have given $600 a year. And by the faith and the grace of God, they have made a $10,000 commitment. I want you to see it's not the size, it's the sacrifice. It's not the size. It's not the size. Some can give more, some can give less, but everybody can participate in a meaningful and significant way. Another person, they said, they said, I have started tithing. They've trusted God to step out and begin to tithe. And just their tithe is $5,800 commitment to multiply. It's not about the size but rather it is about the sacrifice. Another new couple to the church last year, they gave $5,600, but through Multiply, they have made a $55,000 commitment over the next two years to our church. Isn't that amazing? And listen, it's about all of us going all in together, saying, God, what is my part to play? God, what would you have me to do? God, how can I participate? How can I be like a Macedonian? giving not only what I can, but even going above and beyond and giving beyond my means to support the ministry of the saints that is happening here in the local church. My friends, it is not about the size, it is about the sacrifice behind us, which leads to the final point, number three. Generosity is not about the amounts, but it is about the attitude. What does generosity look like? Probably the most memorable verse in all of the Bible around the subject of generosity. Here's what it says. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. And each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. I've heard it said like this before, God loves a cheerful giver, but he'll take it from a grump too, amen? <laughs> it doesn't, but what we wanna focus on is the why behind our giving and not necessarily what we give. We wanna focus on the attitude of gratitude to take part in the generosity of what God is doing. You know, like we are in a very unique opportunity as a church. Like how many churches in America would love to have our problem? How many churches in America are like, I think we need to add another service. Oh, what a big problem that is. There's too many people coming to our church. What are we gonna do? What a problem that is. Oh, we, there's too many kids in Redemption Kids. It takes parents 10 minutes to check all their kids in. 
Oh, what kind of problem is that? Yes, it is a problem, but it's a good problem. And to be honest, it's a problem that many churches in America wish they had in a day and age after COVID when churches are closing their doors and decreasing service times and laying off staff members. We are adding service times. We are building a new building. We are planting new campuses and we are raising up new leaders. Yes, yes, redemption, we have a problem, but it is a good problem. And ultimately it is God's problem. And God has seen it fit to pour out his favor and to pour out his grace and a move of his spirit right here in Redemption Church. I mean, oh man, I can't believe it. We have 50% of our church come up to fast and to pray and to intercede and to get in the altars and believe for revival. 50% of our churches pray, oh Lord, help me, Jesus. It's a problem. No, it's not a problem. It's a blessing that God is moving in this place. God is moving in this house. And I want you to understand something is that multiply is not something that we have to do, my friends. No, multiply is something that we get to do. We get to be a part of a move of God. We get to experience revival in our day and age. We get to see souls saved and lives changed and people be baptized. We get to see God do amazing things. We don't have to do it though. You do understand this. You don't, you don't have to. You don't have to. Like if, if you have the attitude where you're like, well, I just, I just don't think that, that, that the church should, should, should reach more people. Okay, great. You know what we could do instead? We could just shut the doors, lock them up. Say only the people who are members of our church, have you gone through our five-week membership class in the summer and the spring yet? Well, then you can't come to our church because we already have too many members. We have, we have almost 200 official members on the books here at Redemption. That means if you have not, you cannot come to this church anymore. Do you want that? Is that the kind of church you want to be a part of? Oh, no, sorry. We're going to go to one service. Only one service as a church. And if you didn't make it in time, too bad. Because this is all we're going to do. Oh, kids check in, capped. Can't bring your kids to church anymore. Because we just don't believe in growing. Oh, no, 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 no. You, you, you can't be baptized here. No, you can't join a small group. Too many people in small groups. Is that the church you want to be a part of? There are some people who want to be a part of that church. And, and if that's the case, and the attitude behind our giving, well, you have two choices. Number one, you can find a new pastor because I will quit. Because I want to be a part of a church that plants next door to the gates of hell and that people have to jump over my dead body to go there. That's the church I want to be a part of. Charles Spurgeon said this, if people go to hell, let them do it by jumping over us. I'm gonna plant this church, the gates of hell, because I know the gates of hell will not prevail against this church and I ain't scared of it. And so I'm gonna plant this church to reach more people and see more lives changed and souls saved and I ain't gonna stop until Jesus comes or my dying breath. And so if that's the church you wanna be part of, one, you need to find a new pastor or two, you probably need to find a new church because that ain't where we're going because we will be a church that reaches the lost and does anything short of sin to see people meet Jesus. That's the church that we are. We will be a church that will see lives changed and legacies altered, and we will see a movement from Southeast Texas all across the world about what God is doing in the lives of people. That's my church. I hope you would say it would be your church as well.
I want you to know it's about the, the attitude. It's not something we have to do. It's something that we get to do, that the grace of God has anointed and appointed us for such a time as this. And in his wisdom and his sovereignty, he has poured out his favor upon our house to be a hospital for the broken and hurting souls of Southeast Texas to find hope and to find healing. And that God, through his empowerment, is enabling us through it by his spirit to preach the word of God and to make disciples that God, in his goodness, he is giving us this moment, this chance, this opportunity and we cannot waste it and we cannot let it pass us by because there is too much at stake there are lives there are souls there are people there are there are testimonies on the other side of what God is doing in this church so God loves a cheerful giver guys it is about the attitude of gratitude what a blessing and a privilege it is to participate in the ministry of the saints so let me take a moment as we close and I want to share with you my why behind Multiply. This is what you have to figure out this week. What is your why behind Multiply? And I want you to ask your spouse or to get along with God and ask the Holy Spirit, God, what is my why? As I get ready to make this commitment next week, what is my why behind Multiply? I, I want to share with you mine. And, and it's, not, it's, not, it's not financial, but it is a major blessing that God has done in my life. See, me and Ashley, seven years ago, we, we started Redemption Church. We moved here from New York. We had planted two churches before. And those of you who might know our story, God saved me at the age of 20. We got called into ministry at the age of 23, married at 22. God waited to call me into ministry after we married because Ashley, because he knew Ashley probably wouldn't marry me if she knew I was going to be a preacher. <laughs> but we started planting churches and, and, and we, were, we had infertility. And so we tried for years and years and years to have children, but we never had kids. And then Ashley had a miscarriage. And then we had about another four years of infertility after that miscarriage. And we got ready to plant Redemption Church. We went to CMN in New Orleans in 2015, the same place I met Pastor Preston right here. We went to CMN in New Orleans and we're learning all these ins and outs about planting churches and, and systems and, and procedures and and, and, and all these different techniques. And then they had a breakout session for the, for, the, for the women and they all went to the CMN women's session and they were asking Ashley, what's your dreams? And she broke down and she started crying. She said, I don't wanna plant a church. I wanna be a mom. That was her dream, just to be a mom. You know, there was a season where Ashley wanted to close the church before it ever even opened because because of the bitterness and the, and the pain of infertility that she was walking through, she felt like God had given up on her. And we planted this church, I'll be honest with you, at the beginning, we planted it out of obedience and obligation because we know who God is, but we didn't have a lot of joy in it because our family was incomplete. And when she went back there, that CMN women's event, there was, there was a woman there. Her name was Mary Beth Bradshaw. She pastors at a church in, in Florida, her and her husband do it. And, and she looked at Ashley and she, she prayed over her and she prophesied into Ashley's life. And here's what she said. If you will plant this church, God will give you a child. Now we grew up in Pentecostal churches, so we've heard all sorts of stuff. But for some reason, that just gave us a little bit of hope. And we held on to that. Well, as the story goes, we did plant redemption. And every year, we like to do a little getaway right before the church anniversary. So 
before we launched Redemption, we went and got a hotel room at the Elegante Hotel. And on Sunday, the church had its grand opening, but on Friday night, me and Ashley got a little alone time. And that's when Ashley conceived our first daughter, Esther. God was faithful to his word. We're faithful. God will be faithful. And as we stepped out in faith and started Redemption Church, God blessed us with my baby girl. But that's not the only blessing God's done in our life. Every, every single time we enter into a season like this, it requires us to step out in another level of faith. And so as the story of redemption goes, three years later, our church became homeless because the, the bars in which we were meeting at on Sunday mornings closed down and they kicked us out. And so we became homeless for about three months and we did another capital campaign, generosity initiative. And, and we spent almost six months. You know what, how much we raised in six months? $100,000. That's how long it took us as a church to raise this funds. And we believed in faith. And every single week, I was like, hey, guys, we got five. We got five. Let's give a little bit more. Let's give a little bit more, right? And, and then we eventually renovated this entire space. And then in February of 2019, Redemption Church had its grand opening for its new building. Now, those of you who know a little bit about my family, you'll know my daughters are born three years apart, and they're born in the same week, November. What happened nine months before November? Well, our church had its grand opening. And where did me and Ashley go? To the Elegante Hotel again. <laughs> and so there's my second blessing right there, Ruth. I think about my why behind Multiply and to me, it's not about the money. It's about what God has done for my family. Like, why do I give? Why do I give? I mean, sure, yeah. But there's blessings that pour out upon us financially as we trust God and God begins to bless us and then it all makes sense. But when I think about my why, I think about these girls. They wouldn't exist if it wasn't for obedience and planting this church. Like, like, do you know what infertility feels like? And then for God to speak a word and there's life. We held on and we stepped out in faith. We planted church out of, out of obedience. But I'm telling you guys, I don't know what's on the other side of your multiply, but I can tell you this, there is a blessing that follows your obedience to Christ. So I don't care how much you give. What I care about is, will you be honest with the Lord about the gift? If you just step out in faith and you say, God, this is, this is, this is what I believe you're leading me to. I believe on the other side of that obedience, there will be a blessing for you. And so guys, this is one of those big moments, like when we planted our church or when we moved into this new building, we're gonna be moving into a new season with a new building and a second campus and tons of more missions opportunities. And so it is the seventh anniversary of redemption. And so last week, me and Ashley, we got a hotel room in Lake Charles because we ain't going getting one more. We don't want no more, no more, please. I said, I said we're done multiplying. We'll leave that to the rest of you young people, all right? But I just want you to know is that when you trust God, when you step out in faith, there is a blessing on the other side of that obedience. Right now, my daughter, she's making her multiply commitment. She don't even know what this church means yet. 
She don't know how her story is intricately woven into the story of God through Redemption Church, but one day she will. But right now she's making her pledge. She brought her $1 bill to church. She's making a pledge of $100. And I get to see the kingdom of God come full circle in my life. I'm asking you, why are you giving to multiply? But that's something you gotta figure out between you and the Lord.